Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 55, if you would please. And we're going to do somewhat of a series, if you don't mind. If I have your permission to do this, I would like to do this. And that is share with you some thoughts from the Word of God that will help us develop faith for finances. It's been a long time since I've taught along this line. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so if we don't teach about it and talk about it and share what the Word of God says, then you can't have faith for it. How many of you know that? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if we want to have faith in any area of our lives, then we've got to look to the Word of God and what it says and apply the principles of it to our lives and praise God we'll have faith. So remember, we're also talking about faith. Be it faith for salvation, faith for healing, faith for finances, faith for miracles, faith for whatever. You've got to go to the Word of God. Isaiah 55, beginning at verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. He will what? abundantly pardon. Aren't you glad for that one word, abundantly pardon? Oh, thank God, for He abundantly pardons those that turn to Him, and He shows His mercy toward them. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I want to point out some thoughts from these passages of Scripture, I believe, that will bless us and also inspire faith in our lives. And the first thing I want to point out is the fact that God's ways are higher than man's ways. God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. And sometimes God's ways are contrary to man's ways. And God's way of thinking is different than man's way of thinking and contrary to man's way of thinking. For example, he says, if you want to go up in the things of God, you've got to go down. Man doesn't think like that. Right? If you want the higher life, you've got to give up the lower life. If you lose your life, you will save your life. But man thinks he should fight for his life. See, man thinks differently. For man, to, to get means to take. But as far as God is concerned, to get means to give. And if you give, then you will receive. So you can see right away that God's way of doing things is different than man's way of doing things. And therefore, it's important that we change our mindset and line up with God's. And that's what really the Word of God is all about. God sent His Word to change our mindset, to speak to our minds as well as our hearts and let us know that our thinking is wrong. You believe that God is much wiser and smarter than you are? Absolutely. That's why He sent us His Word. And those that don't read it apparently must think that they're much wiser and smarter than God when it comes to the affairs of life. But we know that's not true. We've got to find out and discover what God has spoken and what God has said because His way of dealing with things is different than our way of dealing with things. To have, as far as He is concerned, is to let go. Secondly, I want to point out to you in verse 10, the latter part of the verse, it says that he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. If a person is a sower, he'll give seed for that person to sow. But if a person does not sow, then why should God give him seed? Does that make sense? If I'm not going to sow 
the seed that God gives me, why should he give me more? I've got the seed. I'm not sowing the seed. Apparently, I want to keep it for myself. I'm not doing anything to multiply anything. So why should God give me more seed? Now, if we sow, he'll give you seed to sow. And the more you sow, the more seed he'll give you to sow because he knows that you are a sower. Everybody say, I'm a sower. And what he's talking about is sowing seed to reach the world with the gospel. Investing in human lives. Investing in the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. Making a difference in the world and being a world changer. Supporting the work of God in the earth so that the work of God would be successful in touching hearts and changing lives. Not only here, but everywhere. Throughout the world. I believe that we can do that. I believe that every New Testament church should be able to reach out and make a difference in the world. Don't you? And the only way you can do that is by having sowers. So that God can give them seed and they'll sow it into the things of God, the kingdom of God. They'll advance the kingdom of God and then God will give them more. And you can insert the word money for seed. He'll give you money to plant. Money to sow into his work. If you are a giver. But if you are stingy. If you want to keep it for yourself. If you're not concerned about reaching out and touching lives and getting the gospel out to people and being a world changer, then there's really no need for him to continue giving you seed to sow because you're not going to do it. It'll just be for yourself. So it's important to know that there are right motives that we must maintain in our lives if God is going to be out there providing seed for us to sow. So don't forget that he gives seed to the sower. So be a sower and God will give you seed. The third thing I want to point out is found in verse 11. And that is the fact that the word of God has been sent to accomplish a purpose in the will of God. Notice that verse. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In order for God to accomplish his purposes, he had to send his word out of his mouth. If God would have kept his word locked up in his heart and never expressed himself, then his purpose would not be accomplished. Can you see that? So if God needs to speak his word out to get things done then we too must get a hold of the Word of God, put it in our hearts, and speak it out of our mouths to accomplish His purposes in our lives. Can you see that? See, we talk much about that here. You've got to believe God's Word in your heart and you've got to speak God's Word with your mouth to get results so that the will of God would be accomplished in your life, in the earth. So let's never forget that. If we want God's purposes accomplished, accomplished rather in our lives, then we have got to believe His Word, we have got to get it into our hearts, and we've got to speak it from our mouths. Now, as far as salvation is concerned, God has spoken and He has sent His Word. We have a revelation of what He said right here in the Bible. And if a person wants to get faith to be saved, all he's got to do is find out what God said, and the purpose of God's will in saving a soul will be what? Accomplished. God's word for healing has been revealed to us. God has spoken his word to us. And if we want God's purpose accomplished in our lives, then we too have got to get the word of God, sow it into our hearts and speak it from our mouths. And the will of God and healing will be accomplished. Words that talk about miracles that take place, sown into the heart of a man, spoken through his lips will produce what? Miracles. Word, the Word of God, the spoken Word of God pertaining to finances, if put in the heart and spoken through the mouth, will do what? Produce finances. So whatever it is that we need from God, we have to realize the way God made that available to us is by speaking it out there so that we could hear it put in our hearts and speak it ourselves and then we'll accomplish the purposes of God in our lives. The Word won't return void, it will accomplish His purposes. He sent His Word and healed them 
and deliver them from their destructions. Isn't that what Psalm 107.20 says? So God sends His Word and it's up to us to take His Word, put it in our hearts and speak it from our lips. And if we'll do that, then God's will will be accomplished. Now turn with me in the book of Psalms to Psalm 35 because I want to share with you just a few thoughts that God spoke about finances. God is concerned about meeting financial needs that people have. And the way he does that is how? Sending his word so that the people can know how he feels about it. And if they'll listen to what he has spoken and take his words, put his words in their hearts, and then they'll speak his word from their hearts out of their mouths, what will happen? The purpose of God will be accomplished in the area of finances, getting people's financial needs met. Now, I realize when you teach along this line, sometimes people get a little bit upset. And I don't know why, but I think there's a religious spirit about it. Because they think when you start teaching along this line, you're wanting to take something from them. But to be frank about it, teaching along this line will add something to you more than anything else. It will show you how much God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. In Psalm 35 and verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. Let them say continually. Let them what? Say continually. Well, let them say what continually? Well, let the Lord be magnified. Anybody have a problem with saying, let the Lord be magnified? No. Let's say that. Let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. So if I said to you, say that continually, would you be angry? No. Not at all, would you? Say it again. Let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. But look at the latter part of the verse. Which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. If you put the whole thing together, which you can't really take it apart. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God wants his servants to prosper. How much more his sons and daughters? I wish above all things, beloved, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Why does God want his children to prosper? Because he knows his children will fund his work. He knows his children will evangelize the world. He knows those that have his heartbeat for evangelism are going to put their money into the kingdom of God and support missionaries in other lands, as well as the local church, so that the local church can carry out the purpose of God's will in the earth. So God knows that, and so he delights himself in the prosperity of his servant. You see, beloved, financial promises were given for a purpose. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Isn't that what he said? In other words, it's not going out of his mouth for no purpose. There is a reason for it. There is a purpose. And what is that purpose? To get them into the heart and out of the mouth of his children so that we can adhere to them and then prosper by them. That's why those scriptures have been given to us. So that the purpose of God would be fulfilled in our lives. But if people turn their backs and walk away from what God has spoken about their financial prosperity. And if they think that they're being humble by saying that God wants them poor. In actuality, they are showing their lack of knowledge concerning what God has spoken as well as what God has purposed. It goes out of his mouth for a purpose, for a reason. It will not return to him void. It will accomplish that which he pleases and what he purposes. So you see, beloved, if we are willing and obedient, he said, we will eat the good of the land. But if we refuse and rebel, then we're not going to prosper. God is saying these words. He is speaking these words out to His people so His people can understand His will and then they can line up with His will and carry out His purpose. And He purposes in His heart that we prosper 
in the land. Now you say, how do you know that for sure? Well, anybody here a child of Abraham? Anybody here an offspring of Abraham? Well, if you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Have you ever read about the life of Abraham? God prospered Abraham. And I mean prospered Abraham. He was a wealthy individual, the Bible says. You look at his natural seed and you discover that Isaac was blessed. Jacob was blessed. And you just follow the line right on down. And you'll find out that God always delighted in the prosperity of his servants. But let's take it into a spiritual realm. We are the offspring of Abraham. He is the father of us all as far as faith is concerned. And if we are the spiritual offspring of Abraham, then he said we are blessed with faithful Abraham and we are heirs according to the promise. And God has spoken those words to plant a seed of faith into our hearts so we can also speak those words and say continually, I'm of the seed of Abraham, therefore I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. And as God caused Abraham to prosper, so will God cause me to prosper. For my God delights in the prosperity of His servants. Can you, can you believe that? Absolutely. Because that's what God has spoken. That's what God has said. Now, God wants us to have faith. And God wants us to use our faith and stretch our faith so that we are challenged in this area of faith, so that we can grow in faith. And the more we grow in faith in this area of believing God for finances, the more we can channel into the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? Think about it. If you make $100, a tithe is 10%. That's $10. But if you make $1,000, then you can give to the work of God 100 Right? And then offerings above that. You can support more missionaries. You can do more with it because you have the means. Now think about it. There are kids out there, children out there that are starving in the world. And I know your hearts have been touched. And I know if you could possibly do it, you want to go out there and feed them all. Isn't that true? Where do you think that comes from? You think you just funk it up on your own? You didn't, did you? That's compassion you have on the inside of you for suffering humanity. That comes from the heart of God the Father. God sees all the suffering humanity out there and He wants to meet all the needs of all the people that are out there. And He allows us to embrace that same compassionate feeling that He has on the inside so that we are also moved and motivated to help bless those people. Well, how can you do it if you can't put food on your own table? You can't do it. But I'm sure you said at one time in your life, if I had a million dollars, boy, I'd take that little child out. I'd give him anything he wanted. And, and you'd do this and you'd feed the children and the hungry and all that. Right? You would do that. Well, you know what God is actually saying to you? Well, come on, stretch out your faith and let me bless you so you can do it. You think he wants to sit around there who says, give me the money. I want to gamble with it. I want to do this and do that with it and, and, and just waste it on riotous living. Or does he want the children of God with compassionate hearts who will go out there and feed the hungry and win the lost? Does he want them to be blessed? The wealth of the wicked is stored up or laid up for the righteous and the just. Absolutely. Why? Because he knows what we'll do with it. Will promote his work in the lives of people. I want you to turn with me to First Kings, if you would, please. Now, beloved, I know some wheels are turning out there right now, and you, you might be out there saying, "But, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. You have no idea what I'm going through financially. I'm telling you, it seems as though the devil has just got a hold of me. He has put the pressure on me." He, was beat me, he has beaten me down to a bloody pulp. Well, I'm going to put the Word of God until you, in, in, in your heart, in your life, until even though you may be a bloody pulp, you're still crying out, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Because you're going to rise up from that place and God is going to show you the way out. In 1 Kings chapter 17, but keep this in mind as we go through this. God's ways are not man's ways. God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. God's way of doing things differs from man's way of doing things. For us to get, man thinks he has to take. But God says, no, if you give, then you will get. 
Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you don't give, if you don't invest, if you don't sow, you're not going to be able to receive supernaturally from God. For He gives seed to the sower. So if we want to receive from God, if we want to be in line for the blessings of God, then we have got to be taught how to be givers. Now, to be frank about it, saints, I don't do a lot of teaching along this line. I haven't done a lot of teaching along this line, but I need to now because God wants me to. But let me share this with you. Our offerings have been up, so I'm not making any plea for offerings. You understand that? The reason why God has told me to share this with all of you is so that you can be blessed. And He wants to bless you no matter where you're at right now, no matter what your condition is right now, beyond anything you have ever imagined. That's what He wants for His people. And it's going to take us a while to get there, but we're going to get there. Okay? So let's get rid of some of the religious tradition and all the brainwashing that we've had up here. And, and look to what the Word of God really says. You know, sometimes I hear people on TV, they're television, you know, ministers and all that, and, and they're complaining about all kinds of things, radio preachers and, and all this, and, and, and they're coming against what they call, notice I said what they call, the prosperity message. And I mean to tell you, they just get every person that says God wants to bless you, and they just whip them and beat them and whip them and beat them and saying they're a heretic and all this stuff. And at the end of the program, they ask for an offering. And it makes me wonder. You just told everybody that God doesn't want to bless them, make them prosperous, but you want an offering. Why don't you say God wants to bless you so that you have to give? God's not stingy. He said, give me 10% and you can live on the 90. That's not stingy, is it? Not, not at all. First Kings chapter 17. Now, if you were entertaining a prophet of God, there was a prophet of God that you were aware of and there was a famine in the land and the prophet was hungry and in need of provisions as an individual who would you send that person to or how would you feed him would anybody choose ravens i don't think so to bring food to the prophet or if there was a widow woman living here on street a and a wealthy well-to-do individual living on street B, would you say that a prophet, go to the widow woman and she'll take care of you? For the most part, what would we do? We'd say go to so-and-so because they're well-to-do and they're well-off and they'll be, they're well-able to take care of you. So if you go ahead and do that, your needs will be met and you'll get through the famine and all that. Well, we don't think like God thinks. God thinks differently. And let's read about it. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, that's one way God took care of his needs. Now, did you in your wildest dreams ever think that God could feed you that way? But he can't. So he's never without means is he well let's not stop there and the ravens brought him verse 6 and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook and it came to pass after a while that the brook, brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the lord came unto him saying arise get thee to zarephath which belongeth to zidon and dwell there behold i have commanded a window, widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And he said, As the Lord, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And she was in faith. She, she knew that. She meant it. It's our last meal. It's not enough to get us by, but we're going to eat it and we're going to die. 
And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now listen. God's way of prospering us and meeting our needs is much higher than our ways. He thinks differently than we do. He has a better vantage point. He knows how to work out the finest details. And even though it may seem ridiculous, if we'll just learn to listen to and obey God and follow His ways, He'll get the point across to us that He'll prosper us. If we do our part. Now listen. The first thing we see here is that God wanted to bless the woman. He wanted to bless this widow woman. He wanted to take care of her. He was concerned for her life. So he sends the prophet to her and commands her to give her last meal to the work of God. See, many have been accused of trying to take away something that someone has. Well, let's be frank about it. If that's all you have, you might as well just give it to God. I cannot think of a better investment. Can you? Give it to God. If you give it to God, you'll discover that God will give back to you. You see, to be blessed by God... You have got to line up with his way of doing things. And so he commands this woman to give to the work of God, to give to the prophet. And in so doing, she received back from God more than enough to meet her need, her son's need, and the prophet's need. Now, had she not done this, they would have died. We learn this truth from this story. You don't have to be wealthy to give. You don't have to own a lot to give. You don't have to have a lot to give. I don't have to have a lot to give. Giving is not based on how much we have. It tells us this also. You don't have to wait till, until certain conditions in your life are met before you give. And neither do I. If we wait for those conditions to be met, how many of you have noticed it never happens? As soon as I get the bills paid off is when I'm going to start really giving to the work of the Lord. And there goes the refrigerator. And there goes the stove. And there goes the washer. And there goes the dryer. And don't forget the car. And taxes. And before you know it, it's just a, an endless cycle. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. What did this woman have? Not a whole lot. She had her last meal. And was God so demanding? Was God such an ogre? Was God so mean? Was God just up there saying, You give it to me because I'm selfish and I'm stingy. No. He was saying, I love you so much. If you can jest. Part from whatever it is that holds your heart away from me and give it to me, I'll pour myself out to you like you can't even imagine. I'll do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think if you'll just let go and give it to me. That's what God was saying to her. You invest into my work in what I want done and I'll see to it that I take care of you and yours. And isn't that what God did? See, had she made the meal for herself and for her son and they both ate it, they would have had strength for how much longer? Who knows? But they would have died. I've got news for you. The prophet would not have died. Did you hear me? 
the prophet would not have died. You read about that in Luke and it says there was only one, that widow woman. There were many widows in that time, during that particular time in the days of Elijah the prophet sent the one widow woman. Right? God wanted to meet her needs. God wanted to bless her. But in order for her to be blessed, she had to let go of something that was probably very important to her. Especially when it came... Okay, let's leave the woman out. Do we have any Italian mothers out there? Any other ethnic mothers out there? All mothers out there? This is your son, mom. And this is his last morsel, mom. You're going to give it to Elijah? Or you're going to give it to Mike? And you're looking back and forth. This guy's a little older. He's a lot younger. He's lived his life and he's living his life. And you're the mother. Say it, I'm the mother. Not you men, you women that are mothers. Say, I'm the mother. (laughs) You're the mother. And this is your child. And this is the last piece of pizza. Or the last meatball. Or the last, this is a spaghetti. And your son is just drooling. You know, she puts it in a microwave. This woman of Zarephath, and, and she heats this thing up. And now it's either you give it to your son or you give it to this man that you don't even know. How many of you can see this? Was he, was God trying to take from her? No, God was trying to give to her. But in order for him to give to her, he had to get her to give. Why? Because given you shall receive. See, man's way, the world's way is, take it. Uh-uh. God's way is, give it away and you'll get more. If you can just believe that if you'll sow your seed, it'll come back to you, you'll get more. And so that's what the widow woman did. She gave. And what did God do? He gave back and gave back and gave back and gave back. And the whole time of the drought and the whole time of the famine, she was cared for, that those three were cared for because it never failed. That's called a continuous miracle. Can you imagine the bottom of that little, you know, vessel with the oil in it and the meal? Just a little bit in it, enough to make a cake, and she makes one and it doesn't run out. Makes another one and then it doesn't run out. Makes another one and it doesn't run out. It doesn't get filled to the top. It just stays that much. And it stays that much. Have you ever found that to be true in your life when you really love God and serve God and give to His work? It seems like there's always a dollar in your pocket. And sometimes you may not even know where it comes from. I want to believe that God will sometimes supernaturally manifest dollars in your pocket. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there sometimes. I have taken my, you know, oftentimes I'll take my pants pockets and, you know, send them off to the cleaner, your pants to the cleaners and all that. And I'll check my pockets and all that and, and normally make sure they're empty. There have been times I put on a pair of my suit pants and I put in my hand in my pocket and I got $40 in there that I didn't know I had. And I kind of shake my, you know, scratch my head and wonder, did I leave that in there or did God multiply something in my pocket? And we're not talking about millions. We're talking about I needed gas in the car. We're talking about you needed this or you needed that. It seems like it's just there. And that's what he's talking about. When you start giving to God where you're at, not waiting for change, not waiting for the conditions to line up, not waiting for all your bills to be paid, including your final resting place. Now, Lord, when I get that thing paid off, I'll sow into missions. Right. (laughs) Anyhow, her supply never ran out until the famine ended. She didn't wait for the perfect conditions. Her giving God what He commanded enabled Him to bless her. These are truths that we see revealed here to us. You don't need to be... Amen. You don't need to be wealthy to give. (laughs) Turn with me to Ecclesiastes. God wanted to bless her, and He did. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we are told something here that God wants to emphasize in our lives. 
Because you see, He's going to place some demands upon our lives. And I really believe this. And that is to stretch our faith out to believe Him for more. Not for ourselves, though. Not for ourselves. But more to reach out to suffering humanity. In other words, whatever we gave, let's say for missions or whatever we gave to reach out to help those that are in need, God is saying, believe me for more seed to sow and you'll find out that I will provide it so that you sow it and as you sow it, you'll see it grow. Now, don't believe me for it just to feed yourself, to consume it upon your own lust so you can buy yourself 14 cars, 15 houses and two oil wells. But just believe me to place in your hands seed. Everybody say seed. Get serious with God and say, Father God, I'm going to stretch my faith and believe that you'll provide me, let's say this year, let's give you a figure, an extra $500 to sow into missions, the work of the Lord here, the Lord, wherever he leads you to give in that area. And he'll give you the seed that you need to sow it. Why? So that as you sow it, he can provide more. And you'll see it grow as your faith develops and your faith grows. I remember challenging him on one occasion in my life. And I, I, I stepped out in faith and said, okay, I'm going to, let's say, commit to giving this particular ministry that is doing a tremendous work in the earth $500 that I did not have. And I wrote out an IOU and put it in there and said, I will give you $500 within, let's say, six months. You know, in the first two months, God supernaturally provided that $500 to give to that ministry. And do you know my heart was so blessed? It's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I didn't believe it for a wrong reason, believe God for it for a wrong reason, to consume it upon my lust. I saw a good work. I saw needs being met out there. I saw lives being changed out there. And I wanted to be a part of that work. And so I said, Father God, I'm going to believe you will provide me the seed I need to sow into that ministry to meet those needs out there. And he did supernaturally. And it's, it's just a blessing. It's wonderful to be able to do that. And when you start hooking up with God like that and connecting with God like that, beloved, it'll revolutionize your life. Absolutely. You, it'll open up some doors to blessings that you'll just have, you'll marvel at. Verse 1, Ecclesiastes 11. Anybody find it yet? It's right after Ecclesiastes 10 and right before Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 11. Cast thy bread upon the water... For thou shalt find it after many days. Cast your bread upon the water. In other words, give. Give. And God is even saying, give even out of your need, but be a giver. He is saying, be a giving person. Be one who from his heart delights himself in giving. And as you cast your bread out upon the water, it is going to return back to you. We didn't write this book. God did. We didn't make these statements. He did. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, yes, even divide it to eight, for you know not what evil may come on the earth. In other words, make investments in good things because you'll never know when you need to have a return on your event investments. You keep giving out to people that may seemingly be in need today. And you know what? When the time comes that you just might find yourself in need, they may be so blessed that they just return the blessing upon you. So he is saying give Give, give, give wherever your hand finds to give as you are led by the Spirit of God. And if you become a giving person, then that opens up the door to God channeling blessings into your life because of your attitude toward giving. If the clouds are full of rain, they, I'm reading from the Amplified, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Did you hear that? Don't wait for the conditions to be right. You've got to sow. I've got to sow if I want to reap. He is telling us it is important that we develop an attitude of giving or a giving spirit so that God can bless us. As you know not what is the way of the wind or how the spirit comes to the bones, 
in the womb of a pregnant woman, even so you know not the work of God who does all. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you know not which shall prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And he is just saying, just be a giver. And if you find things that are good, good works to give, then give to those good works. And as you delight yourself in being a giving person, you'll never know where it's going to come from, but it's going to come from some place that you've sown into. God's going to see to it that it returns back to you because you've sown into the kingdom of God, you've sown into the work of God, and as a result, you qualify or you become a candidate to be blessed by God. If you obey and do well, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, then you're going to be destroyed or overcome. And that's the word of the Lord. So he is saying to us, it's our responsibility to become a giving person. Now look at Malachi, if you would please, in chapter 3. And you can't teach on the subject without bringing up Malachi. It's just impossible. You become a giver. You enjoy giving. You enjoy sharing what you have. You develop this kind of an attitude in your heart and you be motivated correctly, properly, according to God's purpose that He revealed through His Word. And what happens? You'll never be without. Everybody say, I'll never be without. See, God will always supply all to your need according to His riches and glory by whom? By Christ Jesus. You see, He delights Himself in the prosperity of His servants and He makes His servants prosper because of the Lord Jesus. Now, in Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, did you get all that? They have walked away from the ordinances of God. They are not doing what God has instructed them to do. He is not happy. He said, I didn't change. I, the Lord, changeth not. You have changed. You stopped doing what I have instructed you to do in your relationship with me. And so now you have removed yourself far from me and I'm calling you back unto me. So let's keep that in mind. So you return to me and I'll return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? What does he bring out? This is God speaking now. Will a man rob God? Yet ye, ye have robbed me, but ye say, Where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And some preacher said one day, Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. And this young boy had w walked up right up to the altar and said, Here. And he looked at me and said, What's that? He said, It's my tithe. His tie took off his neck. He thought it was his tithe. He thought the preacher was asking for tithes. And so he kept bringing tithes. He finally got on. It wasn't tithes he was looking for. It was his tithes. His 10%. People argue about what's 10%. What is the tithe? It's nothing more than 10%. Everybody say it with me. 10% belongs to God. Say it again. 10% belongs to God. One more time, 10% belongs to God. Who's it belong to? So if it belongs to God, then it's not mine. It's His. And if it belongs to Him, then we should give it to Him. And look at what it says. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And notice this next statement. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You will notice he didn't say bring the tithes into the storehouse so that I can be fat because I'm stingy, I'm ornery, and I want you poor. 
did he? He said, bring in the tithes into the storehouse so there's meat in my house, so the work can be done, and see if I won't open heaven's windows. Plural. You know, last time he opened up heaven's windows, there was a flood called Noah's flood. See if I will not pour you out. Notice he said, you've, you've gone away from me. You failed to keep my ordinances. You're not giving to my work. Isn't that what he just said here? If you put all that together, I didn't change. You changed. You're building your own houses. You forgot about my work. There's no meat in my house so I can continue reaching the world. So bring it to the storehouse and listen and prove me. And see if I won't open up heaven's windows and pour you out so much there's not enough room in your household to, to contain it all. See, God's wanting to make people prosperous. God is wanting to bless them financially. Isn't that what he's saying here? It's not just for his work to get done. It's to bless his people. And so that's why he gives the command. Now, the church is the storehouse today. Back then, it was the temple. And they brought it to the temple so that the work of the Lord could be carried on out there in the temple. Now, in the church, the church, God has designed the church to be that light in darkness, to reach out to all the communities, the highways and byways of life, and reach out there and touch hurting humanity and bring them in to the protection of the church and covering of the church to train them in the things of God, to rear them up so they can get out there and do a work for God by establishing more churches in other places, and it just continues to snowball and all that. Well, the storehouse being the church operates on the tithe and when the people of God bring the tithe into the storehouse heaven's windows are open unto them did you hear that unto them just like the widow woman God blessed because she gave her meal her last thing that she had so will those who come and give gladly to the Lord his their tithe bless them by opening up heaven's windows and there won't be enough room for them to receive it all or contain it all They'll be so blessed by God. Now, that's good, wouldn't you say? And he says, prove me now, herewith saith the Lord, and see if I won't do it. You bring him in and find out. I'll rebuke, verse 11, devour for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord. In other words, he'll bless you. He'll protect your, your crops. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, Abraham was a blessing. But do you know why Abraham was a blessing? Because God blessed him. Abraham was able to bless other people because God blessed him. And God wants to make you a blessing. How can he make you a blessing? By blessing you. Say, God wants to bless me. Financially. So I can be a blessing to the work of God and hurting humanity. He'll bless you above all you can ask or think, if you'll do it. Now... Three more verses I want to share with you. Proverbs, if you would, please, and we'll quickly get through these. But we've got a lot to share, a lot to say along this line, and we're going to cover it in depth so that God's people can have a good, solid foundation. Remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. These scriptures were given so God's people can prosper in the land. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 3, and then we're going to go to Haggai. After that, but in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, I want you to see something here. Now, the church, as I said, is the temple or the storehouse of today. And the tithe is to be brought to the storehouse so that the work of God can continue in the church. Now, how many of you know where your treasure is, your heart will be also? And you can also say it like this, where your money is, your heart will be also. Anybody here ever build a house or buy a house or buy a car? You ever see somebody that ever bought a brand new car? And they invested a lot of their money in a brand new car? What's the first thing they normally do when they get it home? Wash it, wax it, wax it, wash it, clean the inside, show it off, tell people the whole thing. What happens to people when they buy a new house? Let's just say, assume you're building a house. You invest your money into a house. So, do you just say, go ahead and build a house, and you never go there to see it until it's done? Right. 
No, when that house is being built, you're looking to make certain that nail is not rusty because that's your investment that is your money and where your money is, there's your heart also. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Do you realize when you invest in the work of God by tithing to your local church, you're going to get around there sometime and find out what's going on? Did you hear that? Just like you're going to find out how well your house is being built because you have an investment in that house. There's where your heart is because that's where your money's going. And when your money is going to the local church to carry out the program of God, you're going to be there. You're going to be a part of it. Your heart's there because your money's there. You're supporting the work of God. You're building the house of God. And that's what we're all doing together. And can you imagine how far-reaching we would be in reaching the world for Christ if everybody came and brought their tithes to the storehouse so that we can do even much, 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 much more in reaching out in the highways and byways of life because the funds are there to do so? Think about that. And that is your investment. That is your house that's being built. You're a part of that structure. You're a part of that house. Your heart is in it because your money's in it too. And you're going to see to it that things are getting done. That's why he said, bring it to the storehouse. Now listen, verse 9. Honor the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Everybody say honor. honor. Say it again, honor. honor. See, honor God with what? With your giving. You realize, he said there in Malachi, you've, you've turned away from me in your giving. You've not followed my ordinance. You're not honoring me with your giving. Honor me with your giving like the widow woman honored God with her giving even though it's all she had to give. And he said, prove me and see if I won't bless you beyond anything you've imagined. And he did that for her. And he's saying to his people there in Malachi, do the same thing and I'll open up heaven's windows to you. And he's saying to us today, invest in my work and honor me with your giving and what will happen? Verse 10, what you sow is what you reap. If you sow, verse 9, honor the Lord with your giving of your substance and the first fruits or the tenth of your increase, what did verse 10 say? So shall your barns diminish in stock. No, so shall your barns. Everybody say, my barns. Be filled with plenty. Listen, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What's God saying? You're going to have a full supply if you'll just honor me with your giving. Anybody find Haggai yet? One, two. Now, these are the laws of God. These are the ordinances of God. This is what God has said to do. This is not what I'm saying to do. This is what God has instructed us to do. And if the body of Christ would cooperate with him in doing these things, he is saying, now I can bless you like I want to. Now I can do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. Now I can bring you out of debt. Because I know that when I do, you're going to make your investments in my kingdom, in my house, in my work. And then I'll bless you more. I'll provide more seed. In Haggai, look at um, chapter 1 and verse 4. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house or his house lie waste? In other words, you're, you're, you're giving to your own work and not mine. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. In other words, look at what you're doing. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. What is he saying? It's the grind of everyday living, thinking man's way is work, make more, work, make more, spend, so doing all this. And it's the whole way of man, the cycle of man, the way man thinks this is how it's supposed to be, the grind of living... And how many times have you said it seems like no matter how much I make, it's like there's holes in the bag. 
and it just keeps leaking out. Well, what did he say to do if that's happening? Consider your ways. Remember, he said, I'm the one that has the power to protect your crops from failure. Right? In other words, I'm the one that can multiply your income. I'm the one that can bring it in from different avenues in different ways. You invested in my work in different ways and I'll bring it to you in different ways. Don't just trust your job to be your sole means of income. That is not the way God wants it to be. He is saying, consider your ways and then look at chapter 2. God is able to stretch our money and God is able to, to bless us if we'll cooperate with Him because in these last days, beloved, these are things that really go together. These are things that are all connected. We've talked a lot about the glory of God being in the church. We talk about signs, wonders, and miracles, but how many of you know it takes money to finance the gospel? And don't let the devil deceive you into thinking differently. No matter what you want to do for God, it has to be funded some way or somehow. Sending missionaries out there into foreign lands where people have never heard the name of Jesus costs money. How many of you know that? And wouldn't you like to be the one to support that man that goes over there and tells this little boy who's never heard the name of Jesus in his life that Jesus loves you. And that boy open up, opens up his heart to Jesus makes him his Savior and Lord. And God raises him up and he becomes an evangelist and he wins his whole nation for Christ. Because you gave. Because we gave as a church. This is chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. Think about the Eastern Bloc nations. Think about the Soviet Union. Think about Russia. Think about... What is happening, those nations that have kept to their best ability, kept the good news of the gospel out, have been shaken to their foundation, and they are receiving the gospel of Christ as we speak. God is at work shaking the nations in the earth today, and the Word of God is going to all these lands. And look what it says, I will shake all nations... And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. I mean, he's talking some big talk here, isn't he? Everybody say glory. You know, Pentecostals get excited when you say glory. He'll fill the house with glory, but now listen. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. You realize he is saying all the silver and gold in all the nations of the world and all the earth that he put in the earth as a resource belong to him. And along with revival, along with glory, comes what? The means to fund the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all the land. The silver and the gold is mine and the wealth of the rick wicked is laid up for the just. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than, the, uh, than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. It's all connected. God is saying, I'm doing a work in the earth today that's going to have to be funded, and it's going to be funded because all the silver and gold is mine. I'm going to channel it or funnel it into the hands of those that are sowers, and after I do, there's going to be a mighty work the nations are shaken. The house is filled with the glory. The needs of the people are being met. And the gospel is being funded. And it's going out in full force. All these things belong to God. Beloved, I'm glad to be a part of it, aren't you? Amen. I'm looking for God to bless all of you so much that it's beyond your imagination. All you can ask or think as you hook up with this. Amen. Anybody excited about these teachings we're going to be sharing with you? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart 
that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.